Morning. We're carrying on this morning on um, this theme in Luke of um, following, uh, on from following Jesus. And we've come to a terrific part in Luke 9 this morning. And, um, but before we come there, I'm going to ask Joy if she'll put up that photograph for me of this wonderful person. And she'll try to tell you she didn't eat all that, but I was there. That's all I'm going to say. Then I'm going to ask some people if they'll just come out a moment and, and help me here. Dave Sanders, can you come out a moment, seeing as you know this lady? What about Tim? Could you come out a minute, seeing as you know this lady? Who is it? Is it that bad a photo? Uh, who else is here that knows this lady well? Um, Gary Smith, you know this lady. Is he here? No, he's gone through. Is Linda here? No, she's gone through. Who else is here? Hey, Linda's here. Come on, Linda, you know this lady. Um, Becky, you know this lady. Come on. Where's Tim gone? Is he gone? Gone to the loo. How dare he? Uh, Emily's gone through as well, hasn't she? Who's, who's very familiar? Julia, you're familiar with this lady. Come on. Right, David, who is this lady up there? Because not everybody knows her. Um, I married her 40... <laughs> 41 years ago. Ah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it only seems like yesterday. <laughs> so, who is she to you? She's your... Yes, yeah, my wife. She's your wife. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. You want to tell us anything about her? Preferably nice. How long have you got? Not long. Five seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's all right. Um, She's all right. That will do. That will do. Tim, who's this lady? Thank you, David. Who's this lady, Tim? Never seen her before in my life. <laughs> um, who is she? She's uh, Baba. She's Baba. She's uh, my daughter's Baba. Yeah. Okay. She's your daughter's grandmother, isn't she? Yeah. And who else is she? Who else? She's Captain Sally. She's Captain um, Sally. Sal the gal. Um, Sally Seaweed. Um, what other names has she had? Is she your mum by any chance? She's my mother, yeah. She's my mother. <laughs> Glad about that. <laughs> Becky, who's this lady? Um, this is my mother-in-law. Yeah. Um, she is the best mother-in-law on the planet. She is a woman that is as close to perfect this side of heaven you can oh, get. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> Linda, who's this lady? Well, I can't follow that one, can I? <laughs> But um, she was the first person I think I met at church. She welcomed me and she sponsored me through Master Life. And when I was having a tough time, as quick as a flash, she texted me back, Psalm 139. Mm. Um, and I think she's one of the most amazing ladies that I know. Wow. Julia, who's this lady? This lady is Sally. I've known Sally, for, sorry, excuse me, for 22 years. Um, she was one of the first people that I met when I first came to the church here. And she got me involved in the um, children's work and um, she's been a, a great friend for 22 years. Wow, thank you, folks. Give them a clap. Thank you, Linda. One person, many different relationships. So when I say who, we can put it down. I think we've seen enough of that joy, don't you? Well, who is Sally? We've all got a different aspect. She's a wife, she's a mother, she's a barbar, she's a friend, she's, she's a, a wise guy. She's all these wonderful things. She's the best person, best mother-in-law you could ever have. And if I had asked you, you'd have said something else about her. Many aspects to one person. All nice, we don't want any nasty comments. Different relationships, part of all these people's lives, part of our lives. To me, she's my best friend. 
She's my confidence. She's one I can tell anything and I know I can trust her with it. She's different things to all of us. And in our reading today, the disciples asked, who do they say I am? Let's turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 18 to 20. You see, this is a life-defining question that was asked. It's not just an idle question. You know, some questions can challenge our knowledge, can't we? Like, which is the longest river in the world? Anybody know? No. You're all acting like the disciples asked when Jesus says, who do they say I am? It's the Nile. It's not a trick question. So some of it improves our knowledge. Some of you can go and say, it's not the Amazon, it's the Nile. We've learned something today. It might be all you learned today, but you've learned that. Um, some questions can be a question of ethics. Is it right to call badgers? Questions of ethics. There's different sorts of questions, isn't there? There's questions that are just plain nosy, like, how much do you earn? How old are you? I wouldn't ask anybody that. Just plain nosy questions. But this was a life-defining question. And it's Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 20. And it says, Now it happened that he was praying alone, and the disciples were with him. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? He was praying alone, and the disciples were with him. It's a bit like in the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it, when he was praying, and they fell asleep. They're there with him. He's praying. And he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? What do folks think of me? Who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah. And others that one of the prophets of old has risen. And then he said to them, and this is a bit like when I asked you, which is the longest river, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. The Christ of God. Now, to put this in its setting, Jesus had just fed the 5,000, or if you got Adrian's PowerPoint, it was the 500, plus the men and the women. And there was crowds around him. Who do these folks that I've just fed, that this miracle has just happened to, who do they say that I am? Now, they were at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, I've been to Israel a couple of times. Some of it I didn't like. They've built churches with lots of incense and, you know, just grotty. But some of it was absolutely incredible. Two places I found incredible. One was where they, they believed, certainly the area, if not the right mountain, that Jesus uh, taught the Sermon on the Mount. Beautiful, beautiful place for those that you've been. Sit on this mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. The day we were there, well, often the sun's shining in Israel, but not always. The sun was beating down. There were boats on the river, sheep on the hillside, and we were read from the Sermon on the Mount. An extremely powerful experience. But another place I found very powerful was Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is right up the north of the kingdom of Israel. So Jesus had gone right up north. And remember, the crowds followed him. They heard he was around. He wasn't down in the center in Jerusalem. He was right up the north of the kingdom, and the crowds had followed him to this place called Caesarea Philippi. I loved it when we were there. It's in a remarkable place. Joy, can we put the first of the two photographs up, please? Caesarea Philippi was very much a pagan place. Right back to the time of the Canaanites, it had been a place of, of idol worship, a place of sexual immorality, a, a, a grotty place, an awful place. Prior to Jesus, 
uh, they believed that it was the birthplace of the god Pan. And, and they built a big statue. Can we pop the other one up, uh, Joy, please? These are the, the, the rocks around Caesarea Philippi. They built a big statue and they put it in one of these caves to the god Pan. And then they had loads of little, um, as you can see, little crevices around where they put the nymphs that worship Pan. And it was a place of, of pagan worship. It was a grotty place. It was, if, if you like, the Soho and the Stonehenge of its day. It was really not, you know, the best of places in terms of spirituality. Yet Jesus was there praying and he had took his disciples there. You know, it it was a place where really you would have said it was a godless, and yet Jesus chose to take his disciples there. Now, it's interesting to note that he never avoided the place, and he took his followers with him. And sometimes, you know, we can be more afraid of the world rubbing off on us than we being that positive light into the darkness. Jesus went there, he prayed. He became a positive light in the darkness. But also, he would be conscious of the fact, sorry, that was it within the heart of every man, every woman, every child, is that God-shaped slot. And right here at Caesarea Philippi, amongst all that godlessness, where people sought something to worship, he asked this question, wow. Right in the middle of it, and on that day we were in Israel, we were surrounded by all this all this godless worship that still happens today. And right in the middle of it, Jesus said, who do people say I am? I've just fed these people. I've performed miracles. I've taught. I've raised the dead. I've healed the sick. Who do they say I am? Right in this godless place where the heart of man was seeking something to worship. I can remember when we were there. Joy, can we put up one of the next photos, please? There's a couple more coming up. Because also, Caesarea Philippi is at the foot of Mount Hermon, and it is the source of where the River Jordan begins. All the rain runs down into little rivers and and little waterfalls like this. Can we pop the next one up, Joy, just to have a look at? These are all at Caesarea Philippi. And the River Jordan begins here. And as we sat by this area here, we had probably 15 minutes, half an hour, just to sit on our own and reflect. In my spirit, I could see Jesus and his disciples piling into this water. It was a hot day. There were a group of men, and I've not yet met a group of men in the heat that don't want to splash in water. And I could see them having a whale of a time here at Caesarea Philippi. Now, that's not biblical. It was just how I saw it. But I think it's reasonable to assume that a group of fellows in the heat would want to be in that water. Thanks, Joy. And uh, it was quite a remarkable place the lure of the cool water. And it was right here. I don't know if they've been having a a good time or what they've been doing besides praying, but Jesus said, who do the crowds say that I am? They'd witnessed his miracles. They'd heard his teaching. And there would have been a buzz about the place. They'd followed him. They'd gone after him. There'd been a real buzz to be near this man. And that disciple said, well, this is easy because it's not what they think. Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Now, we know John the Baptist. He, he was the forerunner of Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He says, I'm not even worthy to bend down and tie his sandals. He knew who Jesus was. He knew he was the one preparing the way for him, the coming king, the Messiah. But they thought, oh, it's probably John the Baptist because not all of them had met him and he'd been beheaded by Herod, but hey, perhaps he's come back to life and 
Maybe this is John the Baptist because he did good teaching. Maybe it's him. But then they thought John the Baptist was Elijah (laughs) come back. You see, Elijah was taken up to heaven. He never died. He was whisked off to heaven, still alive. So he could come back. Maybe John the Baptist was Elijah. So maybe they said, well, Jesus could be Elijah. Because after all, Elijah had seen the dead raised, hadn't he? And they knew that raising of the dead had happened under Jesus' ministry. So maybe John the Baptist, maybe Elijah. Or maybe he was one of the prophets of old, come back to life, Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah, the ones they knew about, the ones they were saved with, uh, safe with, both Elijah and Elisha before miracles, seeing the dead raised. And so they began to draw comparisons. But they knew for certain there was something different about this man. He wasn't just your next door neighbor. He wasn't just somebody. There was something special. They didn't quite know who. They were trying hard to fathom it. You know, Elijah, Elisha, um, John the Baptist, just someone we know is special. And there was a real buzz about the place. And so this is what the disciples told Jesus that the crowds were saying. I wonder if it was a topic of conversation at the Jewish meal tables as they talked about what they'd seen and heard. Whether over the Jewish garden fences they were chattering about this man and who they thought he was. But now Jesus focused in on that question. And he said, okay, that's who the crowds think I am. Maybe John the Baptist, maybe Elijah, maybe one of the prophets, maybe a good man, maybe a teacher. I could be this, I could be that. But hey, who do you say that I am? And just like when I asked, which is the longest river, and there was a reluctance to answer, I guess amongst that group of fellas who maybe had just been having fun with Jesus, who was in this godless place, fell silent. I thought, well, hmm, good question. Who, 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 Who do I think you are? And I wonder if they looked at one another and thought, they'll know. They'll know the answer, and I'm not going to answer this one. And we've all been there, haven't we, where we don't really want to give an answer in case we give the wrong one. But Peter, bless him, the man with the big mouth, the man with the hot head, the man that would go, you know, he was the one that jumped out of the boat and got in the water once when nobody else did. He'd go for it. And he said, you are the Christ of God. Wow. Jesus turned and says, bang on, Peter. You've got it right. The crowds are saying this. These fellows don't know what to say, but you've got it right. I'm not just a good man, not just a great teacher. I'm not just a prophet, but I'm the long-awaited Messiah. God himself come to dwell among people. Emmanuel, God with you. I wonder if Peter went, yes. Whoa, I've got it right. But if we read this account in Matthew and Mark's gospel, the same event, Jesus then turned to Peter and says, but flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Peter. It wasn't your own knowledge. But my Father in heaven, he's revealed it to you. That's how you can know who I am. My Father in heaven, he's revealed it to you. But you know, Peter must have had an open heart, a listening heart to receive that. You know, the identity of Jesus was nothing new in the Gospels. When he was born, these words were spoken by the angel. Behold, you will conceive in your womb, he said to Mary. You'll bear a son. You'll name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God 
will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. That was spoken over him before he was even born. And we knew from the beginning of Luke's account that Jesus is the Son of God, the divine Messiah, whose destiny it was to rule over the kingdom. But the folks hadn't grasped this, hadn't got hold of it. Satan had. He knew who he was, which was why right at the beginning of his ministry, he set out to tempt Jesus, if you are the Son of God. Of course he knew he was the Son of God. He knew exactly who Jesus was. The demons knew who Jesus was. They said, what have you, you got to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? They said, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. The demons spoke those words that God revealed to Peter. They knew exactly who Jesus was. The crowds had an opinion who Jesus was. But the Jews could never accept his deity, that he was God incarnate. But you know, today, each one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus asked that question of us today. And you know, we can have a head knowledge, but he wants to reveal to our hearts his deity, that he truly is the Son of God. You know, the way we answer that question has a great potential to change lives. That's why it was such a vital question. If we acknowledge Jesus simply to be divinely inspired somehow, to be a good teacher, then we're going to pay close attention to his teaching, and we can read the Bible and listen to the things he said, but miss truly who he is, because he's not just a great teacher. Oh, he is. But it's not just that. His teaching is incredible. The Sermon on the Mount alone is the greatest teaching that's ever happened in the history of mankind. He's an incredible teacher, but he wants to be more than that to us. Yes, it's good to read the word. It's good to know the teaching, but he needs to be more. He has to be more because he is more. If we see that he's just a good prophet then we're just going to seek a word from him for direction of our lives, for what he's got to say to us. But he's more than it. But if we can believe that Jesus is the saviour of the world, then we can put our ultimate faith in him. If we confess Jesus to be the word of God incarnate, the very son of God. It's like an incredible thing, isn't it? I can remember in my theology teaching in Bible college trying to get my head around Jesus being God and being man. He's fully God. Fully God. Everything of the Godhead, he is. The Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Creator. He's everything. Fully God. Not just a bit of God, but he's fully God. But he's also fully man. Now, we've got nothing to compare this to. Nothing that we can say, oh, it's just like this. It's beyond our imagination, beyond our thinking. So that when Peter said, you are the Christ of God, he said, blessed are you, Peter. Because you didn't know that with your own head. But my Father in heaven made it known to you. And we can only truly know God when our hearts, like Peter, are open. 
to him. There's a big difference between our head knowledge of him and our personal soul, heart experience of him. And I want to give a challenge this morning. You may have been coming to church for years. You may have read your Bible. You may know all the stories. But do you know him? Have you had that moment in your life, in your heart, where you have acknowledged that he is the Christ, the Son of God? It's vital how we answer that question. We can't simply ignore it, because one day we're all going to give account. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every single knee one day will bow before him. And one day we'll be asked that question. There's there's a question that we used to learn when we did Evangelism Explosion, a way of sharing the gospel. But it's a good question. And that question is, if you were to die tonight and you were to stand before God and he asked you, now now why should I let you... I can't get on with this, this microphone. Sorry, folks. Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? Well, I've lived a good life. I was better than so-and-so. I tried not to sin. Went to church. I know the Bible. You'll say, but do you know Jesus? Do you know my son? Do you know him as Savior and Lord of your life? Have you had that divine revelation? And I want to stop right now. You see, I can speak forever, but only God can give that divine revelation to your heart. And I want to pray this morning that every one of us sat here you know your own heart I want to ask that you have that divine revelation that the spirit will come and touch your heart and you will know in a way you've never known before Jesus is the Christ of God I can remember one day years back I always knew that I had eternal life because the Bible told me so preachers told me so but one day in a service something went from here to hear and you would never ever shake me that I have eternal life anymore because I had somehow a divine revelation I can't explain it it's the spirit of God that comes and touches our lives and I want to just stop right now and I want us to close our eyes and just think who do you say I am who do you say I am can you truly say that he is the Christ of God, not just in words, but down within our very being. Lord, right now, as we take a few moments, I want to pray for divine revelation. That Holy Spirit, you will speak to hearts. Before we go any further, that there'll be not one person here that doesn't know you as their saviour, as their Lord as the forgiver of their sins. If you ask that question, why should I let you into my heaven? The only answer you can give is because Jesus lives within me. I'm not worthy. I'm not righteous. But I've accepted Jesus as the Son of God to be my Savior and my Lord. If you don't know you've done that, why not do it right now? Ask him for forgiveness for everything you've done wrong. He'll replace your guilt with his righteousness.
and make you truly a child of his. Father, will you bring your divine revelation to hearts this morning? We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that died for our sin on Calvary. And that from now on we'll live our lives in worship and obedience to him. Daily seeking his forgiveness. And endeavoring to live a life that pleases him. Lord, will you do something deep within hearts and lives this morning, I pray. In divine revelation of who you are. Amen. So who do you say Jesus is? Because the answer will affect our thinking, it will affect our behavior, and it will affect our future. Jesus, God himself, wants each one of us to know him personally, daily, in our lives. Peter got the answer right. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We will be saved. It's the simplest of things that even a child can do. I did it at the age of 11, and I knew him as my savior. But you know, as I walked at the age of 11, that was a lot of years ago. I've got to know him in many, many other ways. Many other ways. We had this photograph of Sally. She's not just a wife, but she is a wife. That's who she is. She's not just a mum, but she is a mum. That's who she is. She's not just a barbar, but she is, and she loves it. That's who she is. It's, we became a new role in her life. Three, nearly four years ago, Tim. Four? Goodness me. Time flies. She's a mum-in-law. We've heard what a wonderful mum-in-law she is. She's a friend. She's one that draws close to people and brings them in. Isn't that lovely to hear that from people? None of these were prime. They just came and said it. She's many things. And as I've grown and walked with Jesus, I've learned and he's revealed more of who he is to me. It's not really something we can just say in one word, is it? But the vital thing is we have to know him as God himself, as our saviour dwelling within us before we can truly know and experience all the other aspects of his character. We need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We may like being his people, enjoy worship, we might enjoy praising, but we've got to know him personally. The Nicene Creed says, we believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It goes on to say he is God from God. He's light from light. True God from true God. Just to make sure we get it in here. It's true God of true God. He was begotten. He wasn't created. We were created. He wasn't. He was begotten, not made. One in being with the Father. Wow. Just to get ahead around that, stretches our thinking of who do we say he is. One in being with the Father. Through him, 
all things were made. All things were made. They were made for us men and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He became man. And then for our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered. We can look at that for a year, can't we? His suffering. He died. He was buried. But on the third day, hallelujah, he rose again in fulfillment of the scripture. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Who do you say that I am? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I trust that everybody here this morning knows that in their hearts and lives. I'm going to ask right now, I know it's a little early, but I'm going to ask the musicians if they could return. Maybe just the guitarist, just to play softly. Because I just want to read a few things out to you this morning. This is more a, a message of worship, of contemplation, of doing something within us. I trust not just for our heads, but a divinely inspired that flesh and blood hasn't revealed, but the Father in heaven has revealed. I have a chorus I love. I want it at my funeral if you're there for it. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there's none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonder of your mighty love. You're my comfort. You're my shelter. You're tower of refuge and strength. Let everything, all that I have, never cease to worship you. Wow. I love that song. And as I was thinking around that as I was preparing this, it was buzzing through my mind all the time. I began to think, who is this Jesus? Who do I say that he is? He's my savior. He's the Christ of God. I know that I have eternal life. Nobody will ever shake that from me. I know it. I just want us to dwell on some of the aspects. I, I could have kept this list going for ever and a day. I just want the musicians to softly play or whatever you want to do. And I'm just going to read some of these things about Jesus, who he is. You'll have your own, and you can get hold of them as well. This isn't a complete list by any means. And let's just think on who he is. Who do you say that I am? This Jesus, this Messiah, this Son of God. Who do you say I am? And I'm going to be just slowly, one by one, give us time to contemplate and think on these things of who he is. He is our saviour. He's our saviour. Saved us from the grip of Satan. Saved us from guilt. Saved us from condemnation. Brought us into his glorious kingdom of light. He's our saviour. Lord, there's none like you. He's our deliverer. He has power to deliver us. The demons recognized who he was. Satan knew who he was. But he is the deliverer who takes us out of that clammy grip of hopelessness and failure and loss and delivers us into light and life 
and wholeness. He is our healer. He performed mighty miracles. They saw the blind eyes open, the deaf ears opened, the lame walk, even the dead rise. He's the same God today. He is our healer. Lord, there's none like you. He is the conqueror. Who do you say I am? He is the conqueror. Conquered death. In Adam came death. You know, somebody, well, it's actually Sally said to me the other day, these bodies were never meant to get old. They weren't. They were never created to get old, but with Adam came death and decay. But he is the conqueror. He is the king of all kings. There's none greater than him. Even kings and rulers have to bow the knee to Jesus. The great men, the presidents, prime ministers, shahs, every leader, every premier, every ruler, every person who thinks the great bows the knee to him. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? He is merciful. Where others would judge and condemn. He is so merciful, so forgiving. Lord, there's none like you. And you know what? He's full of grace. Full of grace. Not just a little bit gracious. We can be a little bit gracious when we move in the the power of the Spirit, but he is full of grace. He is great. The great I am. None greater. Lord, there's none like you. He is God incarnate. God himself. Not just a good man, but God himself. Who do you say that I am? He's almighty. Nobody has more might. Nobody has more might than our Jesus. That's who he is. He's our comforter. Oh, Lord, how many times have we known his comfort in our lives? Lord, there's none like you. He's our provider. He's our provider. Everything we have comes from him. He knows our needs. He's the beginning. The eternal one, the one that has ever been. No start to him, and that's something we can't comprehend. His ways aren't our ways. He's the beginning. He has always been. And he's the end. He always will be. Every creative thing has a beginning and has an end. But Jesus 
is the beginning, is the end, always has and always will be. Oh, Lord, there's none like you. He is the three in one. Wow. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's all three in one, and that just blows my mind. That's who my Savior is. That's who the one that stood at Caesarea Philippi that day and asked the disciples, who do you say I am? He is the three in one. Who do you say I am? He's the Lion of Judah. The one that was coming to save his people. But he's the Lamb, the gentle one. He's the Lion and the Lamb. Oh Lord, there's none like you. Do you know what? He's good. Fully good. You and I can be good sometimes. Probably good most of the time, but I'm not always good. Not always. And I guess you're not always good. But he is good. That's all he is, good. There's no no bad in him, he's just good. Who do you say I am? Do you know him in such a way? He's our shepherd, the one who cares for us, who protects us, who feeds us, who guides us. He's the coming king. The one who will return again to Mount of Olives. And every eye will see him. He's our coming king. That day, Caesarea Philippi, he said, Who do you say I am? You are the Christ of God. And caught up in all this, these many, many attributes that have no end. He's the name above every name. Of all the people that have come and gone, there's very few names that are remembered. Oh, there's some. Some for good, some for bad. But he's the name that's above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow. It won't be to Julius Caesar, it won't be to Hitler. It won't be to any of the presidents. It won't be to any of the queens or kings of this land. It will be at his name that every knee will bow. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? He's our shelter. He's a safe place to be. Oh, Lord, there's none like you. You're my shelter. He's incomparable. Can't compare him to anything else. And that's sometimes where we can struggle. Because there's nothing else to compare him to. We can get our head around things if we can say, yes, it's like. But he's incomparable. You just can't compare him. Lord, there's none like you. He said of himself, I am the light of the world. I come to give understanding and clarity. I am the light of the world. Come into the darkness so that we can know him and shun the ways of this world. He is the word. He didn't just speak good words. He wasn't just a good teacher. He is the word. As Peter said, you are the son begotten incarnate God with us 
the Son who could point us to the Father. We only really know the Father through him. I love the Son, I love the Father, I love the Holy Spirit. But you know, I only know the Father through the Son. He is a prophet, but he's not just a prophet. All prophecy comes from him. He is our teacher. He teaches us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through our own foolishness. He is our teacher. He's all-knowing. That's why he can be our teacher. Lord, there's none like you. He is love itself. Incredible love. He is our judge. But that's nothing to be feared if we know him as our saviour. Because he judges rightly. He doesn't judge as we judge. He judges right. His justice is fair. And I take comfort in that. When I don't understand things, he is a righteous judge. He's our lover. He brings love into our very being. He's our hope. One of the things I feel for those that don't know the Lord is they have no hope. No hope. I can't imagine now living a life with no hope. But we have a hope. It's steadfast. It's certain. Who do you say I am? He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's patient. Wow. Good job, isn't it? I don't know about you, I can be a bit so sometimes. But he is patient. Who do you say I am? He's forgiving. Whoa. Because he forgives. I can forgive. Because he forgives. And it makes it possible for us to forgive. Lord, there's none like you. Time's going on, but he's caring. He's the Messiah. He's strong. He's wisdom. He's the creator. He's the victor. He's our example. He's our guide. He's our protector. He is able. He is able. Lord, there's none like you. He's my reward. We've been singing it this morning. I've been popping one or two of these down that we've sung this morning. He's my reward. Wow. Wow. He satisfies. He's enough for us. And we know Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, as the Christ of God. That's enough. It satisfies our souls. He's my joy. He's ever-present. He's divine. He's the all-sufficient one. Lord, there's none like you. He's constant. He is constant. He never changes. He's the way, the truth, the life, the bread, the living water, the resurrection, the life, the door. Christ is enough for me. Who do you say that I am? If you don't know Jesus like this, 
And as we pray for that revelation to come to your heart, I trust you'll begin that journey of discovering who he is. Let somebody know that you've done that today. That's important to help you to grow. Christ is enough. And maybe those of us that have walked with him for so long, he's challenging us today and saying, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Let's not limit him. Let's not limit him to our own experience, our own understanding, because it's far greater. It's none like him. I just want to simply leave that question as we move in now to some praise or worship, wherever the band wants to take us. Who do you say that I am? Let's lift him up. He is incredible. He's absolutely incredible. And the only way I can put it is, Lord, it's none like you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We've not even touched on it. We've not even begun to explore who you are. But Lord, right now, we just want to simply say, we love you. We love you. With all our limited understanding, we love you, Lord. Amen. It's not like you. It's not like you. Because there is no one. There is.